Welcome back to Business Insights with Mario and Matt. And so today, unfortunately, Mario is unable to be with us, though I will be very blessed, if I'm honest, to be able to facilitate this great conversation. Um, and these two people, I wanted to say, when I met them, not only did they resonate with me deeply, though I felt there was a massive synergy that was there. I have the next nocturnal therapist with me. And I also have Jeanette Sakuri, who is the holistic counselor as well. Guys, I mean, like, firstly, Harry, how are you? Um, please, Miss Miss Jeanette, I'm doing well. But Miss Jeanette, please, yeah. you, you first. <laughs> oh, Harry, thank you very much. I, I'm, I'm really thankful and grateful to be here with Harry and Matt and just being in this space. So I'm excited to be here right now. The first thing I wanted to touch on is, is really get to know both you guys and know also, you know, where the purpose is behind what you do. And you both have very, very, very needed initiatives you guys are, are, are doing. I mean, Jeanette, I, I'd love to start with you. I mean, so you call yourself a holistic counsellor. So what does that look like in particular? Okay, so basically um, seeing the entire person as a whole person. So there's not just one, just because somebody's having relationship problems or um, some issues around mental health, it doesn't mean that you just focus on one aspect of a person. You've got to focus on everything, um, mind, body and soul, um, you know, what they eat, how they live their life, what is it that they're doing, like, and, and it can't be like a one-size-fits-one-person. So that's what I mean by holistic. The whole entire being of the person um, is, is taken into account. And why, why do it? What drives you? What's oh, the purpose behind it? Okay. So my purpose is pretty much that no one, I believe, that no one should ever have to be alone in whatever it is that they are struggling with. Um, no one should ever feel that they can never talk to anyone about anything without fear of being judged, without fear of being um, rejected or disowned or anything like that. I, I just believe that they that. There's no boundaries in terms of what someone may have on their heart that they can't talk to absolutely nobody, absolutely mm. no one, just to hear themselves give a voice to whatever is they're feeling and thinking. So I want to be there for someone so they never have to resort to taking their own life because um, some people make certain choices and more focused on a prevention of preventing someone from committing suicide or taking their own life because they feel so alone that they have no one to talk to. I want to be that person to, to, to be there in that time of their, of their need. Yeah. Wow. Wow. One thing you touched on, and it, it's kind of funny that you, you, you brought that up. It, actually, it was actually mentioned on the Nocturnal Therapist's um, website. There's no one size fits all. You do holistic counseling and you need to look at the entire picture. The Nocturnal Therapist, <laughs> I, um, you mentioned there's no one size fits all as well on your website. And 
firstly, I'd love to ask, why do you call yourself that? The nocturnal therapist. Yeah, where does that come from? I've always been, oh wait, first off, anything I'm saying here, if it sounds like advice, consider it bad advice. I am not functioning under my license, so no, no therapeutic advice here. I have to give that disclaimer, I'm sorry. So with that being said, me being a lay person and knowing nothing, just considering I'm talking out the side of my neck, nocturnal represents my ability to move in the midst of the darkness. I've always been a sort of a, a lay therapist for people growing up. So that came before my actual private psychotherapy practice. You know, but on the nocturnal therapist is basically I, I want to help people to understand that same things that Jeanette said, like I was moved as she was talking, is that you're a human and you're coming here to have a subjective human experience. And so there's nothing wrong with you. The same joy and bliss that you experience when you look at a newborn infant. The only reason you can even experience that is because you're seeing a truth, what's true for you. You are that newborn infant, that same glory that you see, that same twinkle in the eyes, that's still there despite your story. But we've, uh, because we've experienced our subjective human experience as separate, then we, uh, we devise this, this idea, this illusion of the other being different, different than us, separate from us, you know? And it's in that, that we begin to fear the other. Then we begin to attack that, which we fear. And then we shame, we have shame over that, you know? And so, same thing with Jeanette, my, I really believe that my calling is to, to basically be a light in the darkness. You know, I believe that Gandhi and MLK said it best when they said that, you know, darkness is not the opposite of light. It is the absence of light. Darkness cannot dispel darkness, just like hate cannot dispel hate. Only love can do that. Only light can dispel darkness. And so I come to be a light you know, to share my light, as we all have a light to share, and to share it in my, you know, shining in my own way, which is the social influence and space school of outliers. And again, I just say that I moved into that from the psychotherapy practices. I realized that no matter what, who came in my office, they all had the same fears and the same hurdles. The energy were the, was the same. It's just the story was different, but it's all the same shit, you know? And so I said, I, instead of dealing with people one-on-one -on -one and just those that have insurance and that can afford me, I could bring this to a larger stage where so many more people can get that truth to let them know, hey, you are not your shame. How do you know that? Because it, it, we are only attracted to what's true for us. And so we're repulsed by shame. So our shame does not represent who we are, but who we are not. But whatever we stare at becomes our reality. So if we stare at, stare at our shame long enough, then we confuse it with us because the mind is always constantly trying to attach itself to something to try to figure out this, who am I? But again, understanding the closest thing that represents who you are in this place of business are your values. That's the closest thing. So you look to that. And so for me, uh, my mission statement is to assist others in developing the audacity to live unapologetically authentic. The audacity is what I develop, the boldness, because it requires courage to be your authentic self in a world where they want you to be a carbon copy of somebody else. Think about it. They even call the television, the television, where literally they tell us the vision that they want for us in our lives. Come on. Mm. All right, I'm gonna slow down. That's wow. I, I, and uh, you mentioned the audacity to be authentic. There's audacity behind authenticity. Explain that. I, and I'd love to get your take on this as well, Jeanette, too. Please feel free to, yeah, go back and forth. Well, I guess I started off with saying 
that it's a risk for me to even talk in the public space. The only revenue I take in right now comes from my psychotherapy practice. I called a lawyer before I launched my first show and asked, you know, if there, I was violating any rules with being a licensed therapist. He said, you can go up there and say your disclaimer, but really people can still come at you from any kind of way. So as a licensed uh, professional, don't do it. You make way more money doing your psychotherapy practice. But I, again, I'm motivated by passion and I pay. So every time I get up here and speak, I'm putting my license on the line. And that's the only thing that brings in revenue for me. All of these things cost, you know. And so the audacity is, even though I'm afraid, and the fear is there, I'm not going to act like fear isn't there. Even though I'm afraid, I still choose to lean into my values, lean into that discomfort, and choose to live in my truth anyway. And that's why my motto is to stay lit, stay living in my truth. You know, that's what life is about. How close and in alignment are you all with your with your with your values, your authentic self, because it's only in that path. Authenticity is the only path to true higher emotions and fulfillment in life. You know. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely agree with everything. I mean, Jeanette. Yeah, and so what I'd like to add to that um, that was really beautiful, um, Harry. I think it's a challenge to be authentic self. Um, so you often get statements, oh, don't be silly. Oh, come on, you'll be right. Like, you'll get over it. Um, so whatever you're going through, it gets kind of minimised a little bit, downplayed, or um, it's it's not cool to um, cry. Maybe, you, you know, you're in a space, you might be at work or something like that, and you might feel a bit vulnerable or a bit emotional. It's like, oh, what's the matter? Like, you know, what's wrong with you? Come on, like, oh, snap out of it. Um, or it's those types of things where you can't actually be, um, feel your feelings or things like that. It gets like, oh, come on, like, don't be silly. Just, you know, what's, what's wrong with you? What's the problem? There's always a problem. What's the problem? Um, so it's like there's something wrong with you. So if you're having a bad day, you know, like you can't be, you have to be sort of, um, you have to have a face where you have to be firing on all cylinders. You have to be upbeat and you've got to be like cool and you can't be sort of allowed to be like, oh, just not, not feeling it. You know, I'm having a bad hair day or I'm actually, you know, running on 98%. So it's, it's that kind of thing. So you can't be authentically yourself. You have to be, yeah you have to put a thing you can't if someone says if I say how are you Matt you say great cool or good good but if 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 you know I really kind of said how are you really it's like people I my experience is they don't really want to know how you're really feeling because um it's like hey g'day how you going that's it so um, anything more than that's too much information because when you show emotion or whatever, the other person might experience a sense of discomfort, they don't know what to do, or you've divulged too much about yourself, then you can't be your authentic self. Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, I'm sure Harry will speak to that. I, I see he's nodding. No, I'm just in alignment with you, sister. I love what you say. You know, you're spitting it, you're putting it down, and I'm picking it back up. Like, it's beautiful. You know, I love the synergy that's going on. You're right. There's, this, there's some strong synergy going on here. But, yeah, that shame, it's it's the fear to be your authentic self. And when we choose fear, which is false evidence appearing real, again, we can sense a threat. But danger 
is a reality, but fear is a choice. And so when we choose fear, we become splintered in our psyche. We don't have full access to self-energy as, as IFS or internal family systems would put it. We don't have access to self-energy. And so fractured in these ego states, we, we become not ourselves, you know, or just selfish, which is, you know, my version of selfish is the same thing of me saying like something is blue and then something is blue-ish. It's like it's blue, but it's kind of like off blue. Well, we become selfish whenever we ourselves, we're really not quite ourselves. And the reason why we're not quite ourselves is because we've become fractured in our psyche based off of this threat that we perceive. And we've chosen to respond to that based off of fear. You know, and so these shadows that are created also based off of traumatic experiences, because I'm a psychotherapist, so uh, I do shadow work and really I'm, I'm uh, releasing a, a course uh, within the next uh, week or so on shadow work, you know, a mini course on shadow work and also about to do some meditation. I got some stuff, stuff coming through, you know, to teach people about how to really get in touch with these parts, because I believe that just like uh, Miss Jeanette, you know, she was she was stating that when we are free from our shame, when we begin to love ourselves then we know how to love the other. You see, we can't even love ourselves. There's so much hate out there. We don't share with each other because we are afraid of each other. We have damn right good evidence to be afraid of each other because we see how badly we treat ourselves. How can I trust me with you if I can't even trust you with you? And so it's this self-hatred that then gets projected out outwards towards the other. You see, I can't give you something I don't have. So we could want somebody to love us, but if they don't have love for themselves, then they cannot project that outward onto the other. Just like I, if my neighbor doesn't have sugar, then I can't get any sugar for them, which from them, which is why I say, do you have a cup of sugar I can borrow? Because you got to have it first in order to give it to me, right? And so, mm-hmm. so many of us are in this space of self-hatred in lack of love for self that we don't even know how to treat or speak to each other anymore. We're frightened, we're terrified of each other. And so we're constantly in a state of, of division and divisiveness and attacking the other, finding reasons to hate the other. When then really all, all, we, all we need to do is tune into this right here and say that we are afraid and I'm carrying a lot of shame because I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with this experience. And it's okay not to know. It's okay not to know what to do. It's okay to sit your ass down until you figure some shit out. Excuse my language, mm. you know? How do we know what part of us to listen to? Because, I mean, like, <laughs> we hear about the three minds in our body, right? Up here in our heads, here in our hearts, but then here in our guts. It's like, what voice do we listen to? And then the longer we leave it, the worse it gets because we start creating all these, like, further stories that come up. How do you know what voice to listen to? Jeanette, I'd love to start with you. Oh, uh, well, it's interesting. I think the f- first voice you listen to is when you meet that person. Um, we, we are all wired to do this um, scanning anyway. We, we have our sensories, all our sensories, everything is switched on because we're wired for survival. So your initial, your initial meeting with that person tells you whether they're safe, they're okay, they're approachable, not approachable. And often you might have a physiological body feeling gut reaction, as you said. Um, The the brain is an after. Usually it's an experience that's felt. You go, oh, didn't like that vibe. Mm, Wasn't sure about that person. So I want to bring a different angle here. So if you have someone who've experienced trauma, you're going to base your decision based on feelings. Um, so 
then then that kind of determines whether that person is safe, whether they're okay, whatever, where, you know, so you're going to get a sense or a feeling of that person. So you'll have an experience. Mm -hmm. Like racism, you know, the judgment before, you know, like I'm a threat, the skin becomes the threat, the the color of the skin becomes a threat. And then I would just back me up there, but to make it plain, but I'm back with you. Uh, yeah, so there's there's that. I mean, it's it's um, it it all really depends again on the person's experience. If um, it triggers a response of someone, whether you remind them of someone or they connect it, associate mm. it with something. Um, so it's complex. It's not really so straightforward, right? So the color of the skin or whatever. Yeah. Mm. How are you just? I'm sorry, sorry I didn't mean to distract. Next therapist. My bad. You just put up a book. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. This is not my book. It's Designing the Mind. It's a, one of the many books. I mean, I have all types of books on my desk right now, man. I mean, I'm, I, I, I read multiple books. Anyway, there's a lot of books that I really want to learn from, man. And so I take my time. I strategically like plan going through different chapters of different books. So I held that up because, again, the, the amen for, for what you were saying, uh, Ms. Jeanette, because I often tell my people in my practice that I need to understand your algorithm because in that algorithm, you, you've been you've placed based off of traumatic experiences in which you judge yourself based off of your lack of agency. You've placed bad code there. You've adapted there. It's not that you are maladaptive, it's that you're adapted to a maladaptive situation. And so now that you are free from that, now that you're older, that you're wise and that you're no longer in that situation, we need to take that code that no longer serves you out and put healthy, updated code up in there, just like an iOS software update. The brain and the neurons and everything, that's the hardwire. But the way that we interpret life, that's the, that's the software. And so yes. we have to constantly update this software based off of who we are now, not based off of back then again freud he calls it the projected hypothesis and that the mind takes we take uh 95 or 90 of what we say what we see is based off of what we experienced in the past and it does not convey reality in that the interpretations rather it conveys the physical reality great the mind but as far as interpretations how we interact with each other it's basing it based off of what it experienced in the past. So it's pulling from limited information. And so it's already projecting this judgment onto the other before the interaction even happens, negating the fact of universal principle that no two moments are alike. And I can stop right here, but it's about updating the software, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. What does that update look like? Is it more self-awareness? Is it a greater perspective? How would you frame that? Um, Miss Jeanette, please, please take the lead. I, I, you know, I love you say such great answers. I just love your energy. I'm just flowing behind. I'm just skiing behind you. I just, I just love when you start. Thank off. you. Thank you, Harry. I appreciate that. Um, oh, I lost my train of thought after that. Um, so, so how does it uh, basically, how do you update your so- software? Well, that's really interesting because for some people, they may be so unaware that they're almost like um, they're in a, a sleep state um, and they're just not aware of really not present. So um, so if I can take the trauma lens, so when you're in survival mode, you're in survival mode and there's a part, part of yourself that's, you're not in your body. So have you ever had that experience where you've been in the car, you've gotten somewhere and you go, oh, 
how did I just get here? I don't know if that's been anyone's experience. Mm. But it's like, oh, did I just do that? Or did I just, did I close the door? Or something like that. That means that you weren't actually fully present in the moment. You know, you kind of like there's too much going on upstairs in the head and there's so much going on that you haven't really thought it through. Um, and so when you're not actually being in the now, like really in right here, right now, in this moment, um, that's when you make decisions based on things that of your experience of the past mm. because you're not factoring in the current information. So the information is actually expired and no longer relevant to even how we live our lives today. I mean, so much has changed. It's not funny. So, um, yeah, we're literally using outdated information that no longer is current to today's way of how we live our lives. Which Albert Einstein say, and I'll back you up, sister, again, thank you for the alley. Uh, Albert Einstein said that we cannot solve tomorrow's problems with today's thinking. And so this is where I tell people that know that the mind must know that it knows. Because if it knows, if it does not believe that it, that it knows what it knows, then fear comes in. And so we treat reality as if we absolutely know what reality is. And that's why we have all these aha and oh, I never thought this and, you know, so on and so forth. But know what you know, but also know that there's so much more unknown that you do not know, that what you do not know is far greater than what it is that you do know. So in all the knowing that you do, know that you do not know and continue to dig deeper. It doesn't matter where you start out at. Don't worry about finding a different path or the perfect path or whatever. Whatever path you're on, that is your path. It's about going deeper because no matter where you stand at on the planet, if you dig deep enough, we all reach the same center. It's about diving deeper. Know what you know, but know more of it. What if someone doesn't like their path they're on? If they don't like the path that they're on, yeah, I say make another choice. You see, okay. And and and, and Ms. Jeanette, did, did you want to jump in before I go in? Um, I I I want to say I I would probably say how bad is their pain, and how bad is their path? Like how much suffering or what they're enduring or what uh, what they're going through? Because I think that a human being endures so much, but until the pain gets so bad that they cannot take it anymore, they go, that's it, I've had enough. I've had enough of this relationship, can't deal anymore, hate this way of life, I just can't cope, that's it, that's it. I draw the line here. That's when change happens because um, I have this saying, you know, how much could a koala bear? You get to a point where you just can't bear anymore and you just go, that's it. This is when change happens. And then you make a new choice. Mm. That's exactly what I was saying, is that in this life, you get one of two things. Either you get knowledge and understanding or you get pain that brings about knowledge and understanding. My favorite author, Khalil Gibran, he says, pain is the breaking of the shell that encloses your understanding. It's a bit of potion by which the doctor within heals your sick cells. So drink the potion and peace and tranquility. So we can run from our truth all we want. But that's, that means that we're choosing not to get understanding, which is a much easier process. It does require intentionality. 
because intentionality reflects relationships. So you must be intentional about seeking your truth. But when we are not disciplined in that space of doing for us the way we do for everybody else, including our employers, then pain is there to remind us. And like my sister said, eventually that pain becomes so severe that you got to look at it. If I touch a, a hot stove, it's not going to be my elbow that I look at or my knee or my toe. I'm going to look right where that pain is at. You see that pain is that doorway. When you lean into that discomfort and you ask yourself, what are you doing here, pain? What are you, what, what are you, what message are you here to, what message are you here to bring me? When you lean and not, not run because suicidal ideation, for example, we, that was brought up earlier, suicidal ideation, that's, that's what internal family systems would call an extreme part. That is a, that's a firefighter that's come to put out the fire, the shame. The shame has become so unbearable now that this firefighter must come in because the house is on fire. Lord, what we do, you know? And so in, in its last uh, ditch attempt, the mind tries to escape that pain from that shame by thinking of ways like suicidal ideation or drug addiction or whatever, you you know, and so understanding that we are fractured and that we are scared and that fear is a choice, danger, or reality, but fear is a choice. So I have certain things that I put in place, certain mental reminders, like I'm quoting certain things, the way that I flow like this. These are my boundaries, my parameters. This lets me know that I'm continuing to live in my truth because there's a, there's a plan of approach to life. There's a plan of action to life. But also for me, it's mainly on how you approach life as opposed to how you, uh, the plan of action, because you got to move from being this. You can't do unless you first check in with your team player, with your quarterback, and that's you. And so you got to do from being this. So you go to being this, and you see what's in this inner world and where you need to move, be, uh, move next. And then you do in this physical place, because this is the illusion. This is the sand on the beach. You know, it's the inner world that's real, which is why they say we don't see life as it is, but as we are. Hmm. Yeah, yes. what well, yes. I think I love that you both are saying is that, and you guys are really simplifying this, that it's a choice. It's a choice. Mm -hmm. And in our own minds, it becomes a lot bigger than that. It becomes this intricate story that it has such challenges and problems that we see, that we think are, you know, they can't be solved. Yes. How do we take someone from that state of all the stories to then seeing it as a choice? simplifying down to calm them down to that place can i speak to that please <laughs> um, I, I, you know i just want to pick up on your statement about in our own mind you know in our own mind there really is no windows so it's closed because we are in our own minds and if i can use the analogy the importance of communicating even if it's to air out to just voice it or to speak to somebody just to kind of let it out because it's in your mind it's it's you're in your own mind where there's no light to it there's no air it needs to be breathed it needs to be heard you got to hear it you got to hear your words first come out of your mouth and then you can kind of see a picture um so that's really important we don't want to be in our own minds because that's where um, it becomes complicated. When where you're alone in that, you don't have another person that's kind of in your corner or being in your team or supporting you because we can't. We're actually we're we're we can't do things alone. Like you can't live in the wilderness on your own. You need it. You need a mate or a partner to support you through things in life. So you always need somebody we all need to connect with someone 
So I recommend that it's best not to be in your own mind. Try and find, give it a space, give it a voice. Find a way to express it in some way, shape or form Um, because it's two minds, another mind would really help shed some light to whatever it is that someone may be going through. So they're not experiencing an emotional and psychological ache because Mm. they're tired, they're mentally fatigued. Uh, So it takes a lot of energy to be in your head. So when you're in your head, that's it. You're not making decisions based on whatever's going on around you because you're in your head. You haven't checked out. One thing that I thought was beautiful was the, the the picture of our minds not having any windows. That paints a beautiful image for me where then you brought two minds and, and like the way I see it is if we don't have any windows, if we have a second mind to go off, at least we have a filter. Yeah. Something to breathe in a breathing space, not just a closed box like my apartment room. But, <laughs> but yeah, Harry, yeah. I would say, um, for me, you, you asked a question, what do you do if someone doesn't like where they, the path that they're on? And so I said, again, this new choice, but this new choice must come from a change in perspective. It must come from a new I am choice. And again, this is why another why I give the disclaimer, because I speak from a very a deeply spiritual place. And so we are always in the process of making I am statements and we are not our mind. We are the awareness within. And so shadow work, and this is why I'm into shadow work is us being awareness. We bring our, our awareness to these dark places that we've chosen not to look at so that we can be liberated by freeing up our truth. You know, it's false evidence appearing real, but anyway, uh, we are awareness and I, I will use the teaching uh, from Dandapani as taught by Dandapani. Awareness, us being awareness, we are a bright glowing orb and the mind being a building with uh, thousands of rooms and each one of these rooms are labeled, they have one label on it. It could be love, hate, fear, ambition, uh, arousal, whatever, you know, but one room, one label. And so us being awareness, we travel into this dark building being the mind and we light up whatever we, wherever we go. And then we go to a room and let's say this room is labeled uh, ambition we choose to go into that room and us being awareness, we light up that room when we enter into it and what we see, we become conscious of. And so this room of ambition has all of these thoughts, uh, pictures, maybe whatever, pertaining to that one label of that room, ambition. The longer that we stare at those thoughts, the more intense our emotions become because we become saturated in that space. So the, en- the energy amplifies. Now, if we don't like the room that we're in, we merely but us be in awareness we move our awareness to a different space in the mind, you know, and this is how we understand that we are not our mind and we got to, we have to understand that we have to be developed the discipline to move our awareness around because wherever attention goes, energy flows. And so if you trap yourself in the realm of fear, because the mind pushes you down the path of least resistance. So if you spent your life uh, in fear, then that becomes the path of least resistance because those neural pathways are the strongest and so in the process of the earlier process is always the most difficult because you must develop a new pathway, develop new neural pathways to go down and then make sure that those are so refined and so strong now that that becomes a path of least resistance. And that's when a habit 
is formed. That's when it becomes default for you, but it's not going to be easy at first. You must change the way that you see the world. And sometimes you have to first change the way that you do the world in order to change the way that you see the world. Mm, yeah. And uh, I was like, that, that last statement there, I think just answered my question uh, that I was going to ask next, which was what takes people from, you know, recreating that I am. Because it, it sounds like that's the crux of what you're talking about. It's that identity piece that we, we, all, we all carry. Just how we finish that statement of I am dictates then everything that comes after that. I would love for you to go first. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you once again. I really appreciate it. It's like you're opening the door for me. Um, well, you are. Thank you. Um, so I, I have the, the I am for me um, is it, it defines an identity. So, so you talked about Harry's shame. So the I am is the, that toxic shame, that really bad, unhealthy shame. You know, it's really toxic. It's like um, battery acid. You know, when you leave something and, you know, the battery starts to erode that shame is really corrosive. So I'm bad. Uh, I, I'm no good. And that comes, that stems from your, you know, family of origin stuff from childhood when you've done something and it's like, you know, that was really bad. What you did was you, you're so bad. You're no good. You're terrible. What you did was so bad. So that's directed at you, the person. So you go, oh, I'm, 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 I'm bad. I am. See, I am. You know, what yes. I've done. I'm so bad. So you grow up and it's like, oh, don't be so selfish. Don't be so selfish. Again, mm. so it comes from statements like that. So I am selfish. Again, we're adding an I am. So all these I ams, they start to define. They they start to define a human being. I've been guilty of that. I've defined, oh, I can't do that. They're better than me, you know. Well, I, I don't know how to do that. No, I'm not that good. They're better. So that's the I am. But you can't be defined by the I am. In fact, you are not the I am. You are not that um, bad person because we are all, I bet you in a heartbeat, in even that bad person, when they see someone falling down, they're going to run up to that person and say, hey, are you okay? Well, I hope so. I'm trusting that humanity does that because I know that we all band together when something goes down, like when the floods happen, the fires happen. We all come together. We all rally together. We all lift each other up. So if there is bad out there, it's not defined by the I am. All right. Ooh, you gave me a challenging one this time because you threw it a little bit, a little bit to the left for me, a little bit to the left for me, but it's still going to be an alley. I will say that I agree. We are not the I am, and but I never state that publicly because it goes into a deeper level. We are the I be behind the I am. That's what I say that we are. The I am for me is the vehicle. If, and again, I'm speaking from my own layperson beliefs here, but if we are many creators and we are constantly creating, 
which is why affirmations work. You know, you can't tell a person I will not smoke. You know, that's not an affirmation because the mind doesn't know how to not do a thing. And so even coaches will tell you, remove that and make it affirm your truth by saying, I will begin a healthy lifestyle. That's telling the mind what to do because it always creates, right? Mm. And so the I am is what we create. And so in that moment, that's revealing the I am that we made. And so if I do not like where I am, such as the, the experience of, of speaking in public and being on these shows and stuff like that, I just started doing that. My, like my really let myself go this year and really be out there because I was concerned. The way that I speak now is the way I've been speaking since I was a kid. And so you can imagine the type of rejection experiences I've had and the question marks I've had and the, what the F is going on with this child that I've had growing up. So I've, I've come into this space pretty much self-aware already. It's just now that I have a few gray hairs and I have a, a few letters behind my name, people actually listen to me now. That's le- legit. It's, it's all an illusion. It's all an yeah. illusion. Those, those mm-hmm. letters, the letters I have, I have like 16 letters. Those letters are for other people. That's for other people to know that I know something, not for me. And I knew that other people needed that illusion, you know? So the I am in that space, the I am is the vehicle. So I, I was afraid to be in this space. And so I realized that I saw this storm of people coming to pick me apart because my trauma revolved around being picked apart and judged constantly. That was my entire childhood pretty much, you know? And so I said, okay, this storm I see is bigger than me. And so in that moment, I had to remind myself, wait a second, I am what I say I am. And so in this moment, I am the storm. And when I decided to make that I am statement, I no longer fear the storm that I saw. It's more of like, yeah, let's bring it. Mm. Eventually, the ultimate I am we're all going to lead to is I am oneness. But I have to be real with myself. That's not where I'm at right now on my journey. Right now, I am the storm. Wow, wow. That's, that's, yeah, I'm going to, that that similar. I am oneness. I am oneness. Wow. So okay, you are the star. Okay, nocturnal therapist. I want to just dive a little further into that. Why are you the star? Where did I am come from? Oh, it came from fearing judgment of others. You know, it being seen, and I realized that because I feared being seen, my aura was not in alignment with my desire to be seen. And so I had to conquer this fear of being seen, you know? And so I decided that the only reason why I fear judgment so much is because I had a great sense of uh, this lack of, of, of approval, self-approval, self-acceptance. And it came to me in my last depressive state, you know, which was this January, you know, the insight came to me and it said, when you to seek approval from without, is to already acknowledge disapproval from within. And then the African proverb came to me, if you defeat the enemy within, then the enemy without can do you no harm. It's the inner world that's real. It's the physical world that's constantly shifting. It's the mind, it's the illusion. And so mm-hmm. I'm reminded to go back into my inner world and to make a new I am choice. And that this trauma, underneath this trauma, when I lean into that discomfort, I realize that it's my greatest strength is there. Because I've been tried and tested already. I don't have to, if, if you know, if, if the nocturnal therapist becomes a thing and blow up and this and that, I don't have to lose my sanity because of all the pressure from judgment. I didn't already been tried and tested. I couldn't care less. And I know that the same people that appraise you is going to be the same people that curse you on your way down because I've already been there and done that. 
So mm -hmm. I believe that had there not be a then, there would never be a now. And so I bless my pain. I bless my trauma because I realized that that was no more than the process of me being defined and refined, just like a lump of coal. It turns uh, but a diamond, not yet with, but with uh, hundreds or thousands of tons of pressure. When I lean back into that trauma with updated software, I realized that I have my agency. I didn't have my agency back then, but that's not, that was back then. This is now, now. This is a new Harry. This is a wiser Harry. This is a stronger Harry. And I can be there for myself now and face these fears that I once had and still carry, you know? And so I could just continue to move into that space, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm as just as tenacious about knowing my truth as I am about dedicating my time to other people. And what I mean by that is if you punch in a clock, you're getting paid for your hours, your life hours on this planet. I know you're not used to seeing it like that, but that's what you're getting. That's what you're, that's what you're, that's the bargain there. You give me hours, I give you money for your hours. So when mm -hmm. I think about how many hours I give to other people, I said, man, I'm so, I'm lacking in these hours for myself. I got to catch up. And the more I learn about myself, I notice that truth then liberates me more and more from who I am not, which represents my shame and limiting beliefs. So that's the message I really, you know, deliver in shadow work and what I'm doing at the School of Outliers is be yourself, you know, be free, you know? Yeah, it may, you may get some bumps and bruises, but it won't, it won't end you, you know? Mm -hmm. And in any, if anything, if you lean into that discomfort, you will discover a deeper truth within you. You're much stronger than what you think. Freedom exists on the other side of your fears. Even safe uh, sailboats are safest at the dock. Mm. But they were never they were never built to remain tied up. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Harry, you touched on the, the school of outliers, and then obviously, obviously that's your business, but like talk talk more on that. What is the school of outliers? It's, so basically I created it because this thing, and I always knew this thing was uh, trying to get out of me, you know, again, and trying to realign my words or, you know, with my decision. But outliers represent, you know, you stand outside of the uh, the norm. And I took a deviance class um, that talked about outliers, and that's where I learned it from in sociological statistics. And I realized that throughout my life I had been this, you know, this anomaly standing out there. You know, but instead mm -hmm. of running from it, at some point I decided what would happen if I lean into it. It feels insane to lean into it. But then I thought maybe that's why they say there's a thin line between genius and insanity. Maybe I need to have no mind. Maybe I need to just surrender and lean into that and see what happens. It sounds like a similar thing you did when you said, I am the star. Because you were the exact opposite of that. You were you treated like the exact opposite all your life. That you lent head into it by saying, I am the star. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I love that you did that with the School of Outliers. Wow. <laughs> Jeanette, I'd love to ask you, I mean, if you don't yeah, mind me asking, what is your I am? And why is that the case and where did it come from? Well, I want to say it's taken me a long time to find my I am to actually have a voice. So this is the first real space of like doing a, an interview today. Uh, I've had little moments, but not on a big scale. I've always been afraid to use my voice because um, middle, middle Eastern background, um, 
you know, there's there's a kind of a reputation that uh, that's not, you know, that's not the space to be in. My experience has been that anyway. So mm. um, there, there was always fear of uh, expressing and having a voice. So I, I get what Harry's talking about, fear. And I think that is an issue, you know, situational, um, geographical, um, environmental, there's all these factors, um, everything around what your current living circumstances are that you may feel limited and that there might be fear. There might be fear to use your voice. There might be fear to say something because there could be many ramifications for speaking up. So I have had to only, I'm very green at it, um, feel that I can actually now say I feel that I have a mission that's on my heart and that's to um, be there and support people no matter what, no matter what. If I can be that person to support them, then I'm there. If I can help them find a voice, then I'm there. Not to be afraid of that. Um, because it's I love this woman. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's 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 this the, the fear. Yes, it's false evidence appearing real. But I guess you know, um, being Middle Eastern, growing up Middle Eastern female, I, I you have a space like you mm-hmm. you've got a place that you have to be in. Like you don't mix with so like you know. They had the sisterhood, you know, the women would get together and, of course, the men, like, yeah, there were separate places in, in the home that I grew in. You know, the men would be in one place and the women would be in the kitchen. So that's where I spent a lot of my childhood years living in a kitchen because I had to know how to cook and clean and be an amazing wife one day and so have children. Can I, can I ask Jeanette, at that time, when you were younger, you lived in the kitchen for that many, for so many years. How, what was your I am at the time? Well, I didn't have an I am. I, I how, did you, how did you see yourself then? A servant to serve, to serve others, to be there for others. So to be hospitable, to be welcoming, uh, to, to bow, to bow and, um, you know, to, to serve, to, to worship to be a servant. So my, I didn't have an I am. I wasn't allowed to be an I am. I, can, I, can I tune in real quick? And I would say that I, I believe that the I am statement, and I'm going to say it's I am statement, but I believe it's in alignment with what you're saying and that you did not have an I am. And that I would say the I am statement in that, in that space would maybe be, I am enslaved to my culture, to what I see. Yeah. And yeah. so if yeah. you feel enslaved, then you're not, you're not, you're not your, you don't have your agency. And so, no, you're not going to feel like you have an identity, which is the I am, you know? Yes. And so you're not going to make a choice from that space. That's what trauma does. It lets you, it tells you that you have no agency, you know? Yes, yes absolutely. So I am now finding my I am. It's only been in the last um, few years. So I'm very, very, uh, you know, it's a new vehicle that I'm, you know, driving at the moment and um i'm definitely got my hands on the steering wheel of that now 
of the I am and not being afraid to, to, to stand in my no or to express myself and know that I have something of value to, to offer to people or, or be there. I love that you went from you went from the passenger seat of your life to now into the driving. Yes. <laughs> Hit my hands on the wheel. I love that. I love that. And, and that's exactly what you do with your practice as well. That's correct. Yeah. Counseling. Yeah. And so, man. Wait, let me just say this real quick. You just said the motto to my nonprofit I dissolved. That was literally the motto moving people from the passenger seat to the driver's seat of their destiny. synchronicity man and again miss jeanette i just love you so much thank you so oh she's such an authentic spirit oh my goodness i love authentic spirits like this is how i get like fueled up like i don't even know how i'm gonna go to sleep now i feel like i drank another cup of coffee i don't don't know (laughs) i definitely feel that as well and um for everyone listening i I didn't make it clear though harry the nocturnal therapist is based in the u.s He's not. He's not from oh, Sydney. No. So it's it's currently nine fifty five p.m. over there, and two fifty five p.m. the day after for us. And um, mm-hmm. <laughs> unfortunately, it's that time we do have to wrap up. But so, firstly, Harry, nocturnal therapist. How can people find you? Get in touch with you. Find out about the School of Outliers, please. Become an outlier Become an out. That's B E C O M E A N O U T L I E R dot com. And I also have, if you put a slash links on that, I also have a clarity freebie that I'm giving away. And um, please look me up on Instagram, the nocturnal therapist. You'll definitely get announcements on there when I release uh, the the uh, shadow work course, the mini course. That again, shadow work. You're asking again, how you get out of that space? How do you switch perspectives? Well, the only thing that keeps us mentally rigid where we feel like we can't shift perspectives are these limiting beliefs based off of these shadow areas. And so that's what shadow work is about, is about liberating ourselves, you know, discovering that truth. And so that's going to be released in the next couple of weeks too. And so if you, if you follow me on Instagram, I'm on YouTube too, you know, follow the nocturnal therapist uh, on Instagram, YouTube, and, and hit me up, you know, sign up for my newsletter. I have a newsletter, you know, so you can stay in touch <laughs> and I promise not to spam you out. Like the last email I sent there was like in 2020 sometime. So I promise you not to spam you out. You know, I will be sending more emails coming up. You know, I just needed this influencer thing. This is the risk, you know, like I'm really pushing to midnight all of this stuff. And until this brings in some form of revenue, some type of financial support, you know, it's, it's, it's tight. But once that brings it in, then I'll be able to give more to my people which means I could send out more like authentic messages and maybe some, maybe some videos in the morning, like, you know, some Samuel videos, like, wait the F up. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I <laughs> love it. Love it. <laughs> so, you know, so please support a brother. I don't have an ebook out too, uh, which is uh, um, choosing to heal from uh, choosing from here. It's choosing to heal from the inside out. And so that's about shadow work as well. In the second edition, it's at $22 right now. And it's basic, according to my understanding of, of shadow work. Mm. But if you purchase it now, every single update that I do to it, which I suspect I'm going to do like 50 of them, um, you'll get that free. And every single update I do, it's going to be just like a textbook by the time. This is going to be like a hundred and something dollars by the time I get done with it. But um, every single update uh, that I do, I'll send you out the new updated version, you know. So I just want to go, again, it's, it's, it's about going deeper in your understanding, 
you know. So, mm-hmm. and of course, there's always love. I got the podcast, WhenHarryMetDaphne.com. That's another one. I have two podcasts. So one is WhenHarryMetDaphne.com. And the other one is at Become an Outlier. Oh, I also have a new, <laughs> have a new live show at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time here in the States um, called Ask the Question. It's at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time on Fridays on Facebook Live, YouTube Live. So if you... I got some things going on, man. I have a lot of things. You got a lot of things going on. Yeah. On top of your psychotherapy practice, it's it's huge. And I honestly admire and yeah, really appreciate the dedication. Jeanette, how can people get in touch with you, find out about you? And yeah. Yeah. So mine's pretty easy. Oh my goodness, Harry. Like, uh, yeah, amazing. Like (laughs) you're a mover and shaker. Leave no stone unturned and live life to the fullest. (laughs) Um, love it love it so um i actually have um a website and it's um jsholisticcounseling.com basically uh even if they just type in jeanette sakuri um i will just come up anyway on google and my website's there very easy very straightforward to find me that on online yeah thank you Jeanette, thank you, Harry, not oh. therapist. You guys are, sorry, Jeanette. I did forget say? one thing. I'm actually yeah. uh, developing a program for couples. Um, so um, for couples to stay to stay united and actually, you know, separating, like working through communication and things like that. So I'm currently working on a program. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, and I'll be releasing a new meditation CD. Too many people have said that they like my voice. And so I said, okay, I'm going to do this meditation because I love meditations anyway. So I'm about to be releasing a new meditation CD soon too. So that probably come out within the next week or so. I would love to hear your voice every morning when I meditate, Harry. So <laughs> please, please send me those links. I'll, I'll buy a copy. Jeanette, Harry, both of you guys, seriously, thank you very much. And to everyone listening, thank you for tuning in to Business Insights with Mario and Matt. I'm very blessed to have both Harry and Jeanette with me. I just want to say thank you to you both. I'm truly, I'm filled, um, I'm inspired, honestly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.